Right, OK, well, first this morning, we've been mentioning all week the quite uh, fascinating three-part documentary series on RT television this week on the life and times of former billionaire Sean Quinn of Derry Lane and County Fermanagh. Quinn Country, the series was called. And the programmes detailed how Sean Quinn went from someone who dropped out of secondary school to become the richest man in Ireland and the 177th richest man in the world at one stage. The huge explosion of his empire from manufacturing to hospitality to property and, of course, Quinn Insurance and how it all came down to a gamble on a single investment, his legal battle with Anglo-Irish Bank, the fallout with former associates at the Quinn Group and the campaign of intimidation against him. It was all there in the programme and it has stirred lots of divided opinion out there among you. Uh, we have a number of listeners who want to make comment on the programme on Sean Quinn and his legacy. Uh, let's start with Kieran on line three. Kieran, you were watching the, uh, the, the three-part series or at least some of it. I've seen all of it actually, Niall. And um, as the man sort of says... <sighs> Like it, it, it's hard to know. Like I mean, there's two things actually sprung to mind. Actually, is the whole lot of it over the overall of it is the fact that you know the regulator that was supposed to be watching the whole thing was Patrick Neary. Now, no mention of him at all in it. Like you know, yeah. he actually he actually at, at the tribunal I don't know it was sixty or seventy times the man was asked different questions and he had no recollection of any of it. So I think that says it on its own. Now the other hand is that. You remember Niall back some years ago, Dennis Casey was the, he was the chief executive of Irish Life for Irish Life and Permanent. Now he, as you know, went to prison, and that was all to do with a 7.5 million loan to Anglo-Irish Bank. Now to give you an example of it, what possibility that you might be just thinking about is that that was to prop up the deposits, I believe. That's what it was said in the media. So in other words, to give you an example, like I was saying to you earlier on. If you're thinking about doing business with me, say, for instance, and you get your accountants to have a look at my books and all the rest of it, and the deposit says that I have seven or eight million or whatever the story is, and it's only just a short-term thing which is gone, and one that had nothing. Now, I wonder, did that play any part in what Quinn was doing? In other words, was he fooled into thinking that there was more money there and that there was big deposits and all that? Yeah. So from, from from what you're saying, do, do you have an element, an element of sympathy for Sean Quinn and what happened to him? Oh, definitely, you know, because, you know, Alan Jukes, uh, for instance, you know, and here again, everybody, I listened to a few radio programs and everybody is nearly afraid to mention his name, you know. But after all said and done, he was the one that sent the people down to actually uh, take over all Quinn's businesses and all the rest of it. Now, there's a lot of people up there that would actually sort of have, have be a little bit more crude about what I said what was done. But, you know, the, fact, the question or the thing I, you know, well, what I would say is this. If Sean Quinn was possible to build that business from nothing, and bear in mind, he started off with a small little Bedford truck. You know, I have a photograph of it somewhere, actually. And he built that into a multi-billion pound business. Now, you tell me that he wasn't capable of recovering the situation, you know what I mean, when the bankruptcy was there. Well, did he deserve to be given the chance I to recover? So. I think so. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's. You see, what he got involved in was shares, buying of shares. Not actually the buying of shares, but you actually just sort of. It is. I think it's contract for differences now. Yeah, CFT, CFDs. Yes. Right. That's that's it. Now I remember working for the company, my previous employers. I mean, the shares was. You know, you could you could buy as many as you liked. You know what I mean? You didn't have to pay for them. If they went up in value, you could sell them at a later stage and made money. But if they went down in value, all of a sudden, you know, Davy Stockbroker or whoever you were dealing with was calling for the difference. 
Now, another question I'd ask. Those shares for difference that Quinn bought, you know, who advised him to buy them? And was there any commission paid to the people that were selling them? Because you recall with the banks over the years, all these people that sort of said, we'll get involved in this portfolio and that portfolio and all the rest of it. And the next thing, the shares tanked in, let's say, for instance, they went down to 50 or 60 cents and all the rest of it. The people that sold all those portfolios, I'll get you, I'll guarantee you won't find one of them today. What the bank yeah. would say is, oh, they're gone. You know what I mean? They moved on. We don't know where they are. But those people was always paid commission. In other words, for every bit of business was done, somebody was paid commission for it. And it didn't matter. There was no accountability. There's no accountability for anything in this country now. To give an example okay. of it, and I'm going away from what, you, what, you know, what, what we're speaking about, the Scally report. It's all, well, we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. Things are a lot better now. This can't happen again and all the rest of it. There's not one word about the people that was responsible for all this. And it's the same way, right okay. the way across the board. All right, OK. But, but he, he, he gambled hugely. He, oh, yeah, he, definitely. He, he, he lost, and he had to suffer the consequences, would you feel, yeah. Kieran? Well, <laughs> I'd, I'd look a little bit more into it than that. Like, I mean, mm. I, you know, somebody should have said halt. He should have been properly explained to, you know, that... Um, you know, this whole thing could go pear shape. Yeah, well, he he's, he's a smart enough guy, as he keeps remi- as he kept reminding us on the program. Uh, surely he did know the consequences and what he was getting into. Yeah, but was he really? You know what I mean. I was in financial services for twenty odd years, and in all honesty, I think most of the people that was buying the products, I don't know that they have much of a clue at all. They took your word for it. Yeah, you know, I, I begin to. You know, Sean Quinn was a. You know, roll up your sleeves, man. I remember him starting off way back, I think it was in the late 70s or early 80s when I returned from the UK. And if you were digging, you know, putting up a house or anything like that, Sean Quinn's rep would be in to have a chat with you to say, did you want concrete or anything like that? That's how he started. He was, you know, he was a, a grafter. Like, but he got involved in a situation like where, you know, it might be crude to say, but he got involved with a load of white-collar criminals. You couldn't call them anything else yeah, but he 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 was innocent, so you he was an innocent victim. You're saying? Ah, no, I, you couldn't say that. Like, I mean, yeah. no, no. But at the same time, he was out of his depth with all that. You see, he was, you know, he was. In my opinion, he was dragged into a situation where, like, he bought those contracts for differences. I can't remember the money now was involved, but let's say, for instance, the shares at the time that he bought them to start with. To give you a little bit of confidence, there were eleven euros, and they went up in price and up in price. Now he's paid nothing for them, and all of a sudden he decides then, you know, all of a sudden those shares are worth fifteen euros. Now, you know, this is going to go on forever. Sure, it's like buying houses and selling them. Like people was buying and selling houses on the, on the plans. This is going to go on forever. It couldn't last. Now, Sean was foolish enough to think that it could like, but uh, yeah. I think there's an awful lot more questions should be asked of other certain people. Like, I think Sean Fitz has died, God rest him, but yeah, he well, was never prosecuted. Yeah, well, and maybe... those people at the top, there's an inner circle. Let's put it this way to you. There's an inner circle in financial service, you know, and that type of thing, that are above the law. Somebody else always, somebody else always to blame. Did you come away from the programme, three-part programme, Kieran, having sympathy for Sean Quinn and how he's ended up or not? Uh, I would have definitely sympathy for him because when all said and done, I can bear in mind I'm up and over that border for the last 40 or 50 years now. You know what I mean? I was in and out, that probably was in Northern Ireland more over the years because I was involved in the business and that. More over the years that, you know, I was over and back more times and the troubles was on. And, you know, you couldn't but admire what was going on there. But I would certainly have a lot of sympathy for it. Like, he built all that up there. And the people that took away the business, you know what I mean, otherwise the vulture funds and all the rest of it, they use money to make money. I mean, those people produce nothing. Yeah, very interesting. All right, Kieran, thank you for joining us. Thanks, uh, on the program. Appreciate it. Work,
Okay, that's uh, Kieran started off this morning. Now, this uh, caller says, uh, in relation to the Quinn Country programme, RT left out major aspects of the Quinn story, which made it impossible for listeners to make up their minds in an impartial, independent, and fair manner. Who were RT protecting? Someone else messaged as follows, saying, Sean Quinn was the modern day Tom Gilmartin. The government took him down. He had principles, and Noonan and Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil did not like him. It happens if you're not a political party man. Of course, then he tried to buy the Anglo-Irish Bank, one ambitious step too far. He was an honourable man who gave work to thousands. Uh, Ireland are nothing but a nation of begrudgers. Uh, let's go to line two, and Robert is on line two. Robert, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, and thanks for joining us. Um, you feel Sean Quinn is a good man, to quote you. Oh, yeah. I'm still on his side at the moment, and I think that he got awful bad advice. He highlighted in the documentary that he trusted those uh, those uh, bankers, and that was a big, big mistake. He also said that uh, the whole deal was illegal, and I can't understand why that wasn't highlighted fully uh, in the documentary, because one of those bankers, as we know, was found guilty of a 7.2 million fraud in the same bank in the years of 2007 to 2008, and that's when Sean Quinn started getting involved in it. I have no doubt that he was hoodwinked by these two punks and oh. that uh, something should have been done about that. All right, but, but, and, yeah, but you, you and to a lesser extent it was Kieran make uh, Sean Quinn out not, not, not to be a very smart man, which he, obviously that is not the question at all. He's far from being uninformed of business when deals. When you're dealing with bankers and stocks and all like that, he may not have been uh, in, in a top-class position like a lot of financial people who spent their lives on finances would be. I mean, mm. where Sean came in was he made good decisions in relation to uh, building the right factories and, and what to do with that. But he wasn't up to scratch with how banks work and all that. But I do believe that he, he, he was hoodwinked there and that he was done very, very wrong. And he also he did go to court on the fact that the deal was illegal. Now, I would, I would love to see uh, that explained in full. And mm. I just bought the book yesterday that came out with the documentary, and I'm hoping that it will be um, explained in full. <clears throat> I do believe that he was hoodwinked and he was done very, very wrong. But mm. I also believe that the government uh, went against him because when he took over, when he started buying so many shares in the bank, yeah. I remember at the time there was headings that the country is in trouble when a businessman can buy a bank. And once that happened, I think the government had no choice. As that last caller was saying, there's a group behind the scenes that make all the decisions that had no choice but to, but to, to kill him off. And that, and that was it. They could have done a deal with him, but they didn't. And they, wanted to, they just wanted to get him out, get him out, get him out. And I thought it was very, very wrong what happened Okay, to well, I, I, you, you heard what Alan Jukes had to say in the programme. He was being far from cooperative uh, with the oh, IBRC. Yeah, but they wanted to get him out. You must remember, he came from a small farm uh, milking cows. And he, at one time, he had over 4,000 people working for him, which was incredible as to what he was doing up there in that area. And... They, all they wanted was to get him out. They put him in on the seat then, and the whole purpose of it, as he said himself, and indeed it's to, his, to himself that you can say this, they put him in with his former uh, employees, supposedly at the head of the board, but it was only a seat where he was given, they were going to give him 500000 a year, and 
no one ever came to him and asked him anything. He didn't matter. All they were doing was uh, obliging him. But and fair play to him that he wouldn't accept that. He walked away from it. And I think it shows the substance of the person when he refused to accept it. All right, OK. There's a second aspect you want to, to, to mention. Yes, of course, there, there is. It's and in relation to all these uh, attacks uh, in, in recent years, mm-hmm. attacks on those um, associated in some way, shape or form with uh, Quinn Industrial Holdings and, of course, specifically that horrendous attack on Kevin Lunny a couple of years ago. Yeah. Well, just as I highlighted there is uh, when they put him in as a, as a supposedly president of the board and uh, we're going to pay him 500000 a year, when he found out all it was was a stoolie position, he refused to accept it. And he showed an awful lot of substance there for me by walking away from it rather than sitting there and taking the 500000 a year. But uh, what he should do now, I believe, is very, very important because that priest in his sermon in the church opened up a whole lot of uh, of uh, speculation. And without naming him, he was fingered as to being uh, the money man that paid those people to commit those violent acts. Which, of course, he, com- he, is, he completely denied and continues to deny any involvement whatsoever. Oh, he did, but that's not good enough. And it's not good enough for me as someone who has a lot of sympathy for what, uh, for what happened to him. I would like Sean Quinn at this time to come out and contact RTE or contact this radio station and say, look, for all those that are very interested in my story, I'm willing to sit down and take a lie detector test in relation to was I in any way responsible for what happened uh, uh, to Sean Lunny and the other violent uh, situations that developed at that time. Mm-hmm. And, and whether he was a paymaster or not, sadly, he did highlight that what happened to Sean Lunny should not have happened. And he opened up a little doorway there for me that possibly he may have known that there was going to be certain acts of, uh, of uh, uh, violence, <coughs> like reversing the truck into a, an office mm. building and all that type of thing. He may have known that that was going to happen, but he had no idea it was going to go as far as it did with Sean Lunny. That could be possibly true. But I would like to know... And I'm sure a lot of other people would like to know, uh, um, was he involved or not? And the only way for me to be satisfied with that is uh, if he gets up there in public, takes the lie detector test, and if he passes it, uh, then he, he, he's, he's a, a man of substance and still has his dignity. All right, okay. But I, I do believe he got shafted by the, the government when he, took it, when he became so powerful in the bank, they got afraid, and as I said, the headlines at the time said... Uh, the country is in trouble when a businessman can buy a bank. And they did shaft him and they've done him an awful, awful run.